So I wanted to thank the Chavah for that matzah. I wanted as well, welcome. It means a lot that this Bob is back home. He has a tremendous amount of idealism in the yeshiva. And I want to welcome Nafi back home. Welcome yeah. back home. I have this weird habit of putting people on the spot. I'm making like a superstar team to play our varsity on a week from Sunday. And if, if the varsity wins, we're going to take the whole school on a trip. If they lose, then they might not have that trip. But what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Nafti to play. I'm going to ask, I'm forming the backcourt I'm thinking of is Nafti and Ike Cohn. And then Ellie David, A.B. Resnick, and Ari Eisenberg as the front court. That's what I'm... <laughs> That's a good five, that's a good five. I need a lot to try to battle Ezra, Daniel, Shimmy David, and the Ezra, so that's the plan. Yodi Wilner, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ari Metz, Maishi, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so just publicly, I want to put Nafti on the spot and ask him if he's available a week from Sunday. <laughs> okay, you knew that plan already? Okay. Years ago, Hever, years ago, I was Zaycha. I was Zaycha. My father, Avi Mairi, took me and my siblings to a concert. And we had a beautiful time at this, at this Jewish concert, this wonderful Gishmaka concert. And my father waved around at the end. My father is a very time conscious person. And. Somebody just laughed. Somebody said, that's funny. But it's true. It's funny. <laughs> Thank you for noticing the humor in that. But my father is a very on time. And they're a person all about times. And very exact. And it was a surprise to me and my siblings. He waited around. And he wanted to tell the head of Miami Boys Choir, Yerachmiel Begun, he waited to tell him something. And he told them that I'm a kind of, I'm jealous of your oil my book. What the guys who know my father, my father's not an exaggerator. He's not somebody who just says things random. He's very honest and blunt and says what he feels. For my father to say to somebody, I'm the Kanye my bug, is not hyperbole. It's not like a line and it surprised us. And my father told him the Gemara in in Tainus. And he said to him something important in Tainus. I'm happy that Yaakov Shwek is not here. He's coming in a couple of minutes because I don't want this line as flattery. I actually want it as a line to the guys here to be aware of this. He's told them the Gemara Tainus. He told Yerachmiel Begun. The Gemara Tainus, the Gemara says, I appreciate. Alter, who found me this Gemara? Who got me this Gemara? No, no, Akiva Stutman. I'm sorry. I appreciate Alter for all he does. Alter! <laughs> yeah. 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 
finding me this Gemara, Akiva Stutman. Thank you very much. A Gemara Chavbez Amin Aleph in Tainus. And the Gemara Chavbez Amin Aleph in Tainus says like this, Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu Navi came, appeared to Rebraika. And Rebraika said to Eliyahu Navi, Please show me somebody in the marketplace who's a Ben Oilam Haba, who's a person who's an Oilam Haba person. Now, I don't just think that means Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Oilam Haba. Everybody has a piece of Oilam Haba. But give me a Yid who's what you call a Ben Oilam Haba. Who's a Ben Oilam Haba? He's just an otherworldly person, he's an eternal person. Oilam Abba is a place, but a person has to be built to appreciate that place. Who's a Ben Oilam Abba? Who is that guy who's going to thrive in Oilam Abba? He's built for eternity. He's built for a Kesher Tashem. Who's a Ben Oilam Abba? What an important question. There are a lot of from people, a lot of Gishmaksters. Who's the Hi'es Eliyahu Navi? Who's the Ben Oilam Abba? Who is the person who's just an Olam Haba Mensch? So he relates one man. Eliyahu Navi points to one person. I want to skip that story and point to the second two people he pointed to. Adahachi Bahachi, they were in the middle of this conversation. Rebraik and Eliyahu Navi. Asu Treachi and two brothers come and he said they are Bnei Olam Haba. Why? So he went over these two brothers. Eliyahu Navi said they're And he said, what do you do? And they say, we're happy people. And we cheer sad people up. Rashi says on the spot, they're smechim, they're happy. And they cheer people up. People who are happy people, who make others happy, to bring a smile to a yid, to encourage a yid is a ben oilam Happy people make happy You have to be happy, like Daniel smartly says, because it says we're happy people who make others happy. And that was his example of ben oilam My father said to Yerachmiel Begun, and it was so powerful to hear from somebody who doesn't exaggerate, who waited, and he said that your lot, that the whole group of people come in and you make them smile, you're a ben oilam abba. You're an oilam haba mensch, that you make people happy. And people who have the opportunity, we're zeichet to have people in yeshiva who have beautiful voices and other gifts. And they utilize it to cheer people up, to bring excitement, to bring positivity. That's a ben oilam abba. That's an oilam haba person. It's important to know koiches that we have. It's important to be mechavin and to know to cheer up a group. To cheer up and to be misameyach, that's a ben oilam abba. So I wanted to thank Rav Ari. Rav Ari Sharf is a friend of the yeshiva who for a long time has cared about this yeshiva. People think about what it takes to build the yeshiva. What it takes to build anything, one of the things that's absolutely essential is chizuk, is encouragement. There's somebody, Reb Chaim Kohn, who's the Rosh Yeshiva of the Schlanger's Yeshiva today in Baltimore. And he, for the first seven years of the Yeshiva, would give us tremendous encouragement. 
And I always feel he has a tremendous chalik in the Mesifta because he was mechazek, because he gave encouragement. To be mechazek somebody, encourage, is something powerful that you can give to any organization, encouragement, give chizuk. And I want to say on Ari Sharf, since he's gotten involved here, since he's, he's been a loyal friend who's given encouragement, and I want to thank Ari Sharf for that. I want to thank Ravari. I thank him for all his efforts. I'll be at the yeshiva. He'll introduce Rav Yaakov Shweki, and then we'll get the opportunity here for Rav Yaakov Shweki. Hi, everybody. Uh, for those of you who do, know, who do know, I'll remind you. For those who don't know, my name is Ari Sharf. Thank you very much for letting me say a few words before Yaakov Shweki gets here. I'm just a scholar at this point. Uh, <laughs> A little bit of traffic, and then there was a train that stopped people on the way up over here. Uh, okay, we'll be here in a few minutes. Um, I just want to, I just want to let you let you guys know that. Um, oh, I'm not going to need that. Very <laughs> um, So, first of all, I am involved with an organization called Project Masora. Some of you may know about Project Masora. Uh, it's really for guys and girls in their 20s and 30s who came from the from community uh, who are not from today uh, who want to reconnect giving them a pathway to come back to reconnect to the community and uh, we had a meeting recently and we all said that uh, and this was even some people who have experienced the project with our programs and benefited from them they all said that had we had in our days a yeshiva like Waterbury with someone like Rabbi Kalish with someone like Robert Brownstein guys now's a good time to applaud Campus, all the great Manal and the Rabbeim, the Rosh Hashivas, there'd be no need for Project Masora today. But unfortunately, not all of us have been that lucky. And even there's so many boys today, we have an office that places kids into yeshivas. I just want to let you know you guys are all so lucky that not only you got into here, that your parents let you come here, that you're in this amazing place. It's a big, big bracha. And once again, I just want to let you know I brought up so many speakers here. I brought up so many speakers for Waterbury to speak here, and one of the greatest things I told them is, listen, let me tell you, me tell you something. If, you're, if your speech gets boring, and you start losing the audience, you're still in very good hands, because all you have to do is, if you lose the audience, you just say, let's have a big round of applause for Michaelis, everyone. <laughs> okay, so, before I introduce, uh, before I introduce uh, Jakob Schweik, he should be any second, I'm waiting for that text. Um, there's two ways I can introduce him. Either I can introduce him where I just speak about him a little bit and he comes up, or we can prank him. Prank him means, I'll give an introduction that's totally not true, I've done this many times, and then he'll have to basically deal with it. Okay? Okay? So which, which way are we going? Prank him, prank him, prank Okay, so before we begin, uh, I have to give two shout-outs here. My wife said I have to give a shout-out to Moe Meister. Yeah. 
he here? He's not here? Okay. And I have to tell him I'm, uh, I'm Moshe Sharf's uncle. So that means anything. What's that? Are you sharp? No. Yeah, sharp from LA. Yeah. Who's from LA? Okay. All right. He, okay. Yakov Shwaki has arrived. Okay. Okay, guys. Please full disclaimer. The introduction that I give. Please remember. Don't cut and slice this. Introduction that I give is not true. Okay. <laughs> Okay, where is it? Anyone see him? Also, guys, I want to I want to just clarify a mistake. Some of you came over to me. I want to clarify a little mistake. Some of you guys came over to me and asked if. Uh, Jakob Shweki is coming. I, I, I said this in It's not Jakob Shweki. We have someone, Jakob Shreki, who also sings. reasons it didn't work out. My dream was to be a Rosh Hashiva. So when I come up here, I don't ask for anything. I just ask for the sake of my ego. Whenever I'm speaking, two things. First of all, interrupt me and don't go, Rabbi, Rabbi, Shahar. Right? It's, 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 uh, can we try that out? One, two, three.
Thanks to you. That's a grand slam for me. All right. Okay. Uh, is he even here? Let me see. One second.
Okay, so as a continuation of the incredible speakers who have come up over here to uh, the Durham, to the yeshiva, um, today we have a very, very unique opportunity, uh, especially because it's sphere time. Uh, everyone has their busy months. Uh, the wonderful person we have here today is someone who's busy all throughout the year, all throughout the world doing concerts. And also giving to his time like he does to incredible causes and everything else. But I asked him if you can please hear me out. Yaakov and I go way back. Uh, uh, the story goes that I, uh, I was very hungry. And I went into this uh, burger joint. And I was uh, starving beyond belief. And uh, even though it was a fast food place... Sometimes these places, they work a little bit slow. And there was a guy in the back flipping burgers. What? Everyone comes from somewhere. And uh, the guy brought me the burger right away. It was one of the best burgers I ever had. And as he was making my burger, he was singing away. And I said to my, and I have an eye for talent. I said to myself, I said, this guy should not be flipping burgers. He should be frying chicken. We put him by the chicken machine. He didn't stop singing. I said, you know what? He should become a singer. Guys, let's give a big welcome to the incredible Yaakov I can't even fry chicken or no burgers, but Ari, we go way back. How many years? Many, many years. I have a wider beard than Rabbi Kalish, and that uh, doesn't mean I'm wiser than him. I just, uh, I know Rabbi Kalish. Do you still play ball, Rabbi? So I came here, by the way, I pulled up. I pulled up here, and I wa right away gravitate towards the basketball court. So Ari calls me up. He goes, where are you? You're supposed to speak to the kid. I said, no, I just want to play ball. That's all I want to do. But I just, okay. You guys want to with Rabbi Kiyosh afterwards? Yeah! So, as he said, singer, singer, but not speaker. That's not what I do is come and lecture to people. That's not my job, for real. I come and just tell you what my story is, what my friend's story is. My friend David is here with me. David Hillel from Deal. I have this book in my hand, I'll tell you in a minute. But I just want to say this. He told me that there's, Ari told me it's going to be a Q&A. So whatever questions you think about the music industry or whatever, I'm sure, I'm sure Ari has more answers than I do. But um, I was searching too when I was a teenager. I really was. As my son was a year ago as well. And the problem I saw within myself is I didn't know what kind of song I'm going to sing. And I met a Rebbe of mine. He does now, his name is Rebbe Ben-Zion Schaefer. I was 60, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. He said, I want to learn with you every day. Just for 15 minutes, I want to learn with you. That year, learning with him one-on-one -on -one changed my life. Only because he kept telling me every single day. He says, you have to believe in yourself what you can do. You can't look at yourself like somebody else. Each one of us has a song to sing. With, within every single heart. Now everybody's going to be a different sound. 
Some people are singing reggae. Some people are doing uh, R&B. Some people are doing disco. And, but whatever it is, find your song that you're good at. He says, you serious? I said, he says, yeah. He knew I can sing, by the way. We had a yeshiva band, and I, you know, we made believe like we were, uh, you know, some exactly. sort of, exactly, some sort of professional band. We weren't that professional. But at the end of the day, you got to find your song that you're going to sing. The reason why I came with this book, by the way, is because I find it fascinating. His name was Irving Buna. Many years ago, he was a successful businessman. And he was a regular guy. I don't know if you, I didn't even know if he was that religious. But that didn't matter. He gravitated towards Byron Cutler and helped him out once a week, taking him to the city, just being his driver. He says, I want to help you out, Rabbi. He says, I'm a businessman. I'll help you out. I'll take you a few hours to the city. He started a relationship with the rabbi. And his rabbi kept telling him, by the way, you know, you're helping me financially with the yeshiva. You're going to be in Olam Haba. You're going to be next to me. There's no doubt in the next world you're going to be right next to me. And after a while... After a few years of him knowing the rabbi, he started changing his life. And his rabbi turned to him one day on the way to Manhattan and he said, Irving, how come you're not learning, man? A few minutes a day. Just learn a little bit. How come you're not learning? He goes, what do I have to learn for? You told me that in the next world I'm going to be right next to you. Why do I have to learn? And he said, you know why? Because I want you to be happy in this world. Finding happiness is to sing your song and not to be like somebody else. Nobody asked you to be like somebody else. You gotta be yourself and find who you are. I think the greatest ingredient, and by the way, he took, it, he took his work seriously 15 minutes a day and then he started writing books. He wrote his own book. I find it fascinating, his outlook on life. Pierre Elvis, I'm reading it in the car, and how he views life and how he was able to write a book. Every single one of us, really, I believe it, can write our own book. My friend David gave me permission to say his story in one minute. David Hillel, he was uh, 13 years old and he left his house. He was living in the streets. His father left and he was, uh, he was left really with nothing. And he walked out of his house and he lived on some sort of farm. He was telling me on the way here, by the way. He lived on some sort of farm for a while. And he saw, he saw what addiction is firsthand. He saw it for real. He saw people laying down. He saw people really losing themselves. And after one year, he decided never to, to turn to addiction. But I tell you this now, I'm friendly with him for over 20 years. I'm proud to say we're brothers. And he's also changing the world in his own way. Because he looked in the mirror one day. I said, how did you do it, David? On the way here, I'm talking to him. How did you do it? He says, how did I do it? He said, after a while, I looked in the mirror... It took me a few years. He came to deal. How old were you, W? 20? 19. The rabbi told him, by the way, he was, he was going to go to college. He goes, come to my college. It was a colo, by the way. He came in here, well, I'll never forget, with a jumpsuit and slick back hair, like, like, like a gangster. He came in, and, and now he's changing the world in his own way because he, he found within himself, he found within himself that to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I have all the excuses in the world to be a failure. I do. I can look in the mirror and say, my father left me. This one happened. I didn't have a penny to my name. I lived as a bouncer in some club in Israel and I was like, you know, beating people up every night. But at the end of the day, that's not a life that made me happy. At the end of life, I can look and say, you know what? I'm a failure, but I have every excuse to be a failure. And now he's helping out kids. 
Now he's turning kids around, teenage kids in our area. Which Ari, we're going to talk about later what he's doing. Unbelievable stuff that he's doing. But that, that's, that's what it's about, looking at yourself. Before you ask anybody who wants to ask a question, I just leave you with this. You have a loving, you have a loving atmosphere here. You have rabbis that care about you. You can you can you can never say that nobody cares. When somebody, whenever a kid tells me, you know what, nobody cares about me. Nobody. That's not true. The nation loves you. There are people that dedicate their lives all day. David on the phone all day, dedicating his life for others because there are people that care about you. So always, when you look in the mirror every single day. Say, you know what? Let me try to find my song. Let me try to write my chapter in my book. That's what I'm going to do. And people are going to people are going to care about me, but I have to. You may not need me. I'm not for myself. Who's going to be for me? I have to start trying as best I can. That's what it's about. Any questions, guys? Q and A, Rabbi. Before before we have questions, Rev Yaakov, we have a way of greeting here, an unusual way. Rev Yaakov travels the world and cheers up Yiddin singing for them. We're funny enough, we don't, we're not asking him to sing. He sang for all of us plenty. I want to give him a hug the way we greet here in Waterbury. I'm going to ask Chaim and Arya to please come up and we're going to do a song for Rev Yaakov.
Say this, the Hassan Soifer said, he's ready to give, he's ready to give one third of his next world to know how to sing. Teach me how to sing. And they asked him, Are you kidding me? I'm gonna give one third of my Alam Hapa to know how to sing. And he said, Yeah, because if I knew how to sing, I would get much closer. You you said before, what does that mean? Getting closer. Through song, this is what you guys are doing here. Lee Toy, for me, is good. I don't have to tell you what's good. You know what's good. I see through song, you guys know what you're doing. What kind of question? Rabbi, how many years are you here? 20 years. 20 years. Unbelievable. A big hand for Rabbi Kalish. Right? You, I can tell you compose with that question. He asks, he's asking what comes first sometimes, the lyrics, the tune, and how do you get past writer's block? Yeah. Which is the famous... So it's funny, I was saying the story last night. What's your name, by the way? Judah Judah? journey through through music, writing music, is you'll always find that sometimes it's not the right time. I always had that. Sitting by the keyboard or with a guitar. A lot of times I have a message I want to get through a song, so it's easier. Sometimes I'm just sitting there saying, I want to get this message across in this tune, but it's just not going. I have, I'll have a... Uh, I have a story of mine that I was sitting there for two hours with, the, with my friend who composed music together, Yitzhi Waldner. We're sitting there in the house. I'm not feeling it. And we're coming to that block that you talked about, the proverbial wall. And I get a phone call from Israel. I was expecting somebody to come. I said, you know what, let me pick up the phone. I got nothing going on anyway. The music is not happening. 
And somebody asked me, he said, uh, you know, in Hebrew, which means, how are you? I answer him back just by just saying, something they say. But three minutes later, I had the song, which I sing a lot of the shows. Yeah! Anybody, I don't know. I don't want to get into lengthy conversations while I'm writing. But I said, you know what? I picked up because I, and God wanted it to happen in three minutes. You should know that some of the best song. I just had a story. It's coming out on the next album, which I'm I'm putting out a new album. I was on the way to the studio. I was on the way to the studio one day. I'm just telling you another answer to your question. Sometimes you gotta take really the inspiration that you feel, your song. You said sing my song. I wanna sing my message, my inspiration that I have through my, because if I don't sing what I really believe, I'm not gonna be great. I'm not, you can't fake it. You can't, you gotta sing what you really believe in. Your inspiration, your message, and that's why it's very important for me to be a part of the writing process of the song. Because if somebody just sends you, hey, you know what, what kind, they call composers all the time, by the way, a lot of the singers, what kind of stop you have on the, uh, on the disco beat at 115 BPM? You got anything for me? We're not a flea market, we don't send you stock. You know, music is music of your heart, of your soul. It's gotta be more than just running a business. I don't care about fees and I don't care about business. When I'm doing music, it's about the message within the song and it's about going into the song and care about nothing else. And that's greatness. That's what I believe, anyway. Guys, Yako so, right now is just going to read the lyrics. <laughs> no, but for real, I, I was on the way to the studio. I was on the way to the studio and I had this conversation deep Somebody told me there's like there is like you know we text everything today so it's like it's called DMC. Yeah. yeah. Deep meaningful conversation with somebody. Yeah, it's all it's all abbreviations now. So and I had this and this guy made me cry. The story about this his his niece 
very, very sad story, which I don't want to get into the details here and get sad, but it was a, a sad, deep conversation. I wasn't going with that mode of a happy mode in the studio. So I told this composer I was with him, I said, listen, I know you want to write some happy stuff now, but I'm not in that mode right now. I just heard the story. And I, and I told him, he said, please share with me your story. And I shared him what's on my heart and what's on my soul, and I started to cry in the studio. He says, okay, we can't, we obviously can't do a dance song right now. We have to do something about this story. This is what we wrote. I, I called up my friend Yisrael Besser. I don't know if you, Rabbi Kalish, I'm sure, knows him from the Mishpacha magazine, a very, very good friend of mine. And he wrote these lyrics after a few drafts. We wrote this, by the way, that song, I feel, I feel that this song, I played, David, I played to you in the car. The song is called The Wonder of Life. And it's a piece, it's just a piece of in English. And it's coming out on the next album, which hopefully in about uh, one of Shavuos, in two weeks? Two weeks? Hopefully in like three weeks' time the album will... will... Anyway, the, the lyrics are like this. Very diverse album. I feel like I have nothing. I can barely see ahead. It's about this, this girl that I was talking about. I don't see tomorrow while I'm hanging on by a thread. But a wise man told me, you got to celebrate those scars. These signs of life, they make you who you are. Cause I've, and then the high part is, because I've got a fire burning inside. you got to hear with the music. And I have a spark that fills me with pride. Even when I'm feeling down, even when I'm on the ground, it's glowing, glowing, yeah. I close my eyes and hold that time, ready to take on the fight. I'm going, going, oh, the wonder of life. Something like that. Now, the next The next thing is, I can't see the promise. I don't believe what they say. I can't feel the sunshine. I can't feel it. I can't trust the new day. But a wise man opened up my eyes and said, falling down is the only way to rise. So I'm gonna find that fire inside and I'm gonna feel my heart open wide. Even when I'm feeling low, even when they tell me no, I'm going, going. Places only I can see, reaching for eternity, I'm showing oh, the wonder of life. So it was all about life, and it was about that mode. I feel it was, it's one of the most powerful, powerful messages and songs that I've ever done. But it wasn't going into the studio with a plan. I didn't write down what I was going with the heart. But what, felt, what I felt was real. And if you feel it's real, and you write really what's real, and your messages of within, that to me becomes, first of all, your imprint on music, and it becomes something really, uh... I hope I answered your question. Yeah, Robert. I want, I want to ask Rabbi Yaakov about my kids, my she's here, people have been in the car Woo! we know. That maybe the song I play most in the car all the years is a song of Yakushwaki Road. And to me, it's clear in the song that it comes to talk about a real place. I'm curious. I love Maran Shali. And my father, I grew up in my house. My father spoke about Revati Yosef in glowing terms. He was a hero in my home. And the song about Maran Shali, my Rebbe, is moving beyond. I'm curious about your relationship. That song's too authentic. It seems to me you had some relationship to Rabbi Yosef. I'm curious. I did that. very much so. I was very lucky, Rabbi, to have an amazing relationship. I came to ask him questions first about music. This was going back 20 something years ago. And 
he told me something very powerful. He said, uh, he answered my question, first of all, that I had. And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I love music, and I would answer all your questions anytime you have a question. But he told me, I want you to be family around here. And one of the things I want you to do, I have tremendous gratitude to your family. My, my great uncle, when he was in Egypt, gave him his first job. And he took him, he didn't have money, he didn't have anything, he didn't have money for bread. He told me he had nothing. And my, uncle, my great uncle went and he plucked him out and he gave him this rabbi job and he, he introduced him to the rabbinate and he took care of him. And he says, just for the gratitude alone, as a Jew to a Jew, the gratitude that I have, you have any time, a place here. And so he right away made me feel so welcome. And I proceeded to have an unbelievable relationship with a rabbi. By the way, a rabbi who had a historic funeral, close to a million people in his funeral. Why? The love that emanated from this rabbi was so real. You talk about Rabbi K Listen, I know I'm not here to... He, he loves Maran Sheli because that personifies a rabbi who just, any type of Jew, doesn't care who you look like, what, 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 you're, what kind of yarmulke you're wearing, what it is. I love you for who you are and I want to answer your questions. I, I went there with my family. My kids grew up there. So I have pictures of my kids sitting in this chair. My... my you know, and, and sang with him all the time in a sukkah alone. When he wasn't feeling well, sometimes they would call me, I would go and sing with him. And that relationship that I had over 20 years was something um, was extraordinary. When he passed away, they asked me to write a song right away on it. And I said, this is also another answer to your question. I couldn't answer it. I couldn't do the song right away. Because it didn't come to me right away. The, the, the message of his death was too strong for me and too sad to write right away on such sadness. I had to wait a few years. And I told him I can't write right now about him. It's too much. I gotta ponder. How am I gonna write one song, a four minute song, whatever that song is, and encapsulate who this rabbi was in one song? Very difficult. So it took me a few years. And that song was a song that we cried to a lot, you know, creating that song. A couple of guys asked two questions. Number one, how did you get into the music business? Number two, are you stage fright? <laughs> no, my problem is I got no stage fright at all. I come in like I own the place, and uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's. Uh, the truth is, in the beginning, I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous how how I'm going to relate to the stage, how I'm going to relate to the uh, you know to the whole band and everything that is. But I quickly got over that, so I don't have stage fright at all. And how did I get into music? So I told you guys before, I had a Rebbe that I was very close to, Rebbe Benzion Schaefer. And I wanted to learn. I was very, very much, uh, he got me into learning. And I, was, I said, I want to stay in learning for a few years. He goes, so what's the, what's the contradiction? He goes, you sing very well. You know, if God gave you a gift of writing or singing, this, that you can't waste that. You don't have the jurisdiction to waste your gifts that he gave you. You can do it with balance. And I said, okay. He says, yeah, what? You can't learn and sing at the same time? I said, the truth is, I didn't think about it. He says, no, you can do it. And by the way, after 120 years, when you get up there, they're going to ask you, you had talent. What'd you do with your talent? Now, I'm not saying you have to go on the big stages and you have to, that's not the point. The point is, do you feel you're using, do you feel you're using your gifts and your talents just to, to get out and to help people and to change the world? And by the way, by helping people, you help yourself first. Because that's how Hashem made the world. That, that's what it is. He created the world to help just like He does. We have to use our talent to help. And as slowly but surely, he's asking questions, and that's how I got into music. I, uh, I saw somebody, I didn't meet Ari. Ari was, was, was busy with you know, other things. He wasn't answering my call at the time. 
and we got introduced to uh, a Jewish producer at the time, Mr. Briskman. And he, yeah, he, who said that? Who said that? How do you know? Where are you from, Matsi? Yeah. Woo! Okay. So I went into the studio and he said, sing me a song. And I said, okay, hey, what kind of song you want? He goes, sing me any song. And I stayed over the piano and we sang a song. I think it was, It's an old Hasidic song. One of my favorites. Alright, Waterbury got to take this song. that song he goes where do you want to sign I said relax I took the contract and we I didn't have you know I told you Ari was not answering me at the time and I took it to a you know low budget lawyer because the budget wasn't that big Ari and uh, we signed a five-year contract and um, the, the beauty about him was though that I told him learning and my priorities and family come before anything I asked Shmuel Kamenetsky this question and he said that even if jobs come to you that take you away from your family on Shabbos, try not to take them. So there are certain questions that I asked, and I was able to get you know clear answers, parameters of what to do. And uh, you know you got to take care of yourself first before uh, take care of you and your family. I think that does one of the greatest uh, questions and experiences that I had with Shmuel. I still ask him to this day. And that's you become a happy person when you balance everything and you ask questions and you do things the right way and uh, the journey goes on. Two-part question. A, do you do vocal lessons currently? And B, have you done vocal training throughout your career? So, I went once, one time, to learn how to warm up my voice. I wanted to feel it and see what it is, what it's about. It was such a boring process. And I said, I just want to run and play ball somewhere. But I asked a, I asked a professional singer, somebody very, very, uh, not so much in the religious industry, um, in the studio somewhere, I forget where, maybe in Europe, and a very, very, a singer that knows how to dissect, you know, where you're singing from and how you're singing and how you're delivering it. And the singer told me that I should not take voice lessons because it, it, it will ruin my natural you know, gauge of how I'm singing. So I said, thank God. Because I, I don't know if I can go through this process of, uh, but many do. Most people do. I was just afraid to, uh, to mess with the natural, you know, voice box and try to take it somewhere else. I didn't want to be a cantor. I didn't want to be, I wanted to be more, you know, so I never did it. So I warm up a little bit, but uh, I think maybe going a few more would help me here and there with allergies and all the stuff that we go through, but, but I never, uh, 
It was too boring for me. <laughs> now, now you will say, let's say, like you made it in your career, you've got big concerts and everything. Was there any point that, like in the beginning or in the middle, that you had to like, like there was like a moment where you had to like your values, your your, your values as a, as a as a kid, or in general, just your principles that you had to give up. You didn't know if you would make yeah. the next step because you had to give up. So, and you First of all, I don't. The truth is, it wasn't an easy journey because the, the, in that way, that was my manager always would say, there's so much money on the table, you're giving up. And I didn't care so much about money. You know, I wanted to do the right. But you're right, it wasn't an easy argument back and forth sometimes to go away for Shabbos. You know, people from Brazil calling on Panama and just like going away for Shabbos and spending, and I knew I would come back, I wouldn't be able to concentrate. And to give those things up was was something, I, listen, it came, it came uh, after a while, it came easier. I just said, you know what? Money comes, money goes, I gotta do the right, and it, it should know. Ari will tell you this better than me. There, there are singers, there are singers that you see in the non-Jewish world, that everybody, quote unquote, wants to be like. In the world, I mean, in the world. If you see their lives and how they run their lives, and how fast, you know, the years and the medication and all that stuff. When you don't balance life, and I'm not here to preach to you as a rabbi, but at the same point, when you have the Torah to guide you, the priority that you have, you'll have a long-term plan. You have a long-term contract because Whitney Houston is dead. Michael Jackson is dead. You know, all these Elvis Presley is dead. If you look at the names, the legends in their world, they die young. Why? Because life is not meant to be constantly on that stage without any priorities and out, out any balance. If you don't have balance in life, it's going to take you somewhere else. So I think it was a beautiful thing, and that's why I'm here with a white beard, and we're still uh, we're still singing. Thank God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know that like there's like this is like. A more of a logistical I know Jewish singers, um, there's like there's like the brand name Jewish singers, um, and then there's like the other guys, you know? How does someone get, like, like there's a, I feel like there's a lot of talent in the Jewish world. There is. Um, and there's like, I feel like there's like a, a little bit of like a club of like that certain people can't get past because of like certain things. What is the, it's a good question. what's the process to get involved? Because like, I, I know for myself, I made one song and it cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah, it does. Right? It costs a lot of money. So like someone to produce music and someone to make music, like it's like, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's a sign of it. That's Ari's job. He's working on contracts. Um, it's a good. It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, like giving up talent, like saying, like don't don't waste your talent, but like at the end of the day, like, talent. Put out your talent costs a lot of money. Like, okay, put out your talent. No, but what I, maybe I didn't. I wasn't clear what I said before. Um, the talent, not wasting your talent, doesn't mean you're going to be hitting. 10,000, 5,000, thousands of people. It doesn't mean that. What I meant to say is find, do your best. We don't, we, don't, we don't deal with results in this world. I always tell my son this. We passed the Jersey Turnpike. My son loves sports. I love sports. And you have a big quote from Bill Parcells of the Jersey Turnpike. You don't get medals for trying. You get medals for results. And I always point at that sign with my son. And I'm like, I love Bill Parcells and all. And he seems like the wisest person in the world. But you see that quote right there? It's exactly the opposite of what we believe in. We believe in, you try your best. 
a lot of times it's not meant for you to be on on uh, as popular as quote unquote the made it artist. I don't mean I don't. First of all, I never should know. I never wanted to put myself in a certain club. When I did my first album, I told my manager, I'm like, you know, we're gonna do it our own way. He goes, what do you mean? I said, yeah, we're gonna have. Uh, I remember we're gonna have a chuppah song, and then we're gonna have maybe in the future I want to do some Sephardic. He goes, are you crazy? You're in the Ashkenaz world of. I said, I don't care. I don't care. I want to do my thing. You have to have a certain, not stubbornness, but a certain vision of what you want yourself to be like, and not care about so many. There's so many stories, and and also the uh, that I've heard in the non-Jewish world how the singer believed in a song and the producers didn't, and when the singer did it, it became a worldwide hit. So, so a lot of times you have to believe in what you believe in. Yes, it costs a lot of money, and you're not always going to be accepted in the. Uh, you called it a club. I don't know what kind of club it is. We just, we just, really. I don't believe it's a certain club. I believe we're just each one individually is trying to sing his song in the way they know how. And then whoever hires me hires me. Whoever doesn't, when people call me, by the way, how much, is, how much are you to sing? Uh, oh, that's too much. I'm gonna hire, uh, you know, uh, whoever. I'm saying, okay, fine. It's all good. Hire him. You don't want me. This is what it is. You know, if you don't believe in me like I believe in, first I gotta believe in myself. I believe I bring this to the table. If you want it, this is what it is. So you have to have a certain, most people you should know in the industry don't have that. I see that. Oh, you know what, maybe I'll come for this. No, 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 have a vision, have a process, have your song, and let's try to do it. And whoever, whoever accepts it, accepts. it's not up to me. I tell my son, uh, you know what, we don't got metal switches. Yes, we do. After 120, you tried your best. God, I tried to sing my song. I had a song to sing. I tried my best. I wasn't accepted in this quote-unquote club that you call. So be it. I tried my best. That's what it's all about. I have a question. I don't have all the answers, my man. What's your name? Previously, I picked up. Nice to meet you. I said the opposite. Billboard of Bill Parcells. Where are you from? Baltimore. You know it, Bob. Kanan? your father? Can I give you a hug, my friend? Look at that! By the way, your father was a baller. Yeah. <laughs> and a shot caller, too. Um, he, he was tremendous, a point guard. I said, Donnie, I'm on your team, because you're going to get me the ball in time. Exactly when I come around the screen, put it in the numbers. Buckets. Buckets. I called the bucket before I even shot it. But, but the point is, I think there, I want to make it clear. He said, Bill Parcell said, that in the world of sports, very important concept to think about. In the world of anything, in our world, it's about result. It's a result-oriented business. Ari would tell you. It's a result-oriented business. Show me what you can pull off. Yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I didn't get the Super Bowl ring. By the way, the quarterback, the quarterback came back, the line did its job, 
Offensive line, every single guy blocking his man, gave him a pocket, threw a rope, a spiral, a beautiful ball to the receiver, and the receiver goes right through his hands. They did everything right, by the way, but they didn't get the Super Bowl. It doesn't work like that with God. The beautiful, and that's the beautiful thing. I can say I tried my best, but I know, I know deep inside if I tried my best or not. What's that? No question. It's based on it's, it's crazy. What do you mean the results? So he he said he tried so hard on the song, and it didn't get. Yeah, I tried my best. You know I tried my best. That's all you gotta do. Get the weight off your shoulders, man. Get it off your shoulders and say I tried my best. I told my son. Don't show me your test score. My son felt like he was very sick. Don't show me the test score. I don't want to see your score. I don't care about your score. Did you try your best? Did you study now? He might fool himself and say that he tried his best. But did you try your best? That's all I want to know. You got the medal in my book. Love you, man. That when Yaakov's not doing concerts and they see him around, a lot of times he's surrounded by people that are wearing t-shirts saying the center. You want to know what, what's that all about? You want to know what the center is all about, huh? I can be stronger. I can be braver. I can be, I can be anything. Anything I want to be. Oh, I have the power. I have the courage. I am a Everything I need is inside of me. Always oh, inside of me. Yeah, my wife created this place. It's called the Special Children's Center. She was 16 years old. By the way, she slept in a home, Ari, and she saw she saw the strife and how hard the challenges of having a special child within a home. Take it away. I can be stronger. I can be braver. I can be. I can be anything. Anything I wanna be. Oh, anything I wanna be. I have the power. I have the courage. Is inside of me. I can do it. <laughs> I gotta bring him to the studio to do harmonies. I find it. I find it hard. He does it with ease. What's I can be about, Ari? What is that song about? I can be. You gotta know the song. I just sang it on Facebook. The main thing is I can be anything I want to be. Put your mind to it, you can be anything. You know, the story was that I walked into the center. The, the special children's center takes care of every type of special child. Autistic, Down syndrome, whatever you would saliva, you should never know. Uh, CP, every type of kid, they, have, they reach over a thousand families. And they take care of them after school. Also, they have a school now too. They bathe them, they feed them, the therapies, they take them to Disney World. They, you name it, the Shabbos homes group homes, whatever you want to do, they, they, they do. But they take care of every single child. They have a huge building in Lakewood, New Jersey. They try to service also uh, in Brooklyn too. 
that wants him to do it around the world, but uh, I don't know if my wife has that much time, but she tries to help people around the world too. Um, but it's that happy, confident place. She, my, my wife saw that special children are not being treated the way they should be. I'll never forget the first year I got married. She's like, we're going to Los Angeles with these special kids. I said, really? Who's paying for it? She goes, I don't know. But we're doing it. I'm like, really? She goes, yeah, because I go to LA on vacation. I want to go on vac I want the kids to come too. And I saw a vision right there of a, of a girl that doesn't care about anything. She wants to help special kids. We went there. She goes, by the way, you know where we're going out to eat? Who's from LA here, by the way? Yeah. So, like, yeah, no, at the time, I don't know if that was open. We're going, we're going out to Pats. Shut up. My man. So, we're going out to Pats. I'm like, my wife's name is Janine. I'm like, Janine, it's going to cost us about $3,000 because we have a lot of kids, three, four, good. So what? That's where I'm going. If I go to eat at Pats, they're going to eat at Pats. And that was her vision. Want to be involved? I think we should have them. My man. <laughs> Biggie, we're going to talk now. <laughs> Josh. One more question, guys. Josh. One more? That's it. Oh, man. I'm having fun. The hour's up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's right now. <laughs> what? Some characters. Good feedback. So, Judah was asking me this sort of question before, right, Judah? Yes, Josh. How old were you at the time? I, I think it was maybe eight or nine. But I you feel old. It was <laughs> that long ago? Yeah. Amazing. It was hard He asked me, I'll leave you off with the last question and then I say goodbye, alright? Which I don't want to, I want to just stay here. I want to announce before y'all go please. Yeah, so I just, he's asking me how the song Cry No More was created. I told Judah before that life is a journey of ups and downs. And your job, if you're a musician or you're a singer, your job is to tell your life story sometimes through music. And when you're down sometimes or you feel sad for somebody else, say it through a song. It's about saying your feelings through a song. At that time, I had, I don't know if Rabbi Kalish knows him, Rabbi Moshe Kasus. I know, you know Armo Kasus from Rabbi Yeah, so his, his brother, his older brother, I was very, very close to a great rabbi and my neighbor in Deal in Long Branch where I live. And he passed away suddenly from, from, a, from a sickness and it, it hurt me very bad because I was very, very close to him for almost 20 years. And he dealt with my shit. I was very, very close to him. I used to go to him every week and ask him questions and had a, you know, conversations with him. And he was my mentor, so to speak, in a lot of ways. How to, be, how to behave. Just kidding. Song goes. <laughs> so at the time, he passed away.
time I was sitting in my living room and I was, he just passed away like a, it was like a few weeks afterwards. And I said, why is this happening? That a man of 58 can pass on so quickly. He left two Down syndrome children, my wife to take care of. And they're crying for him. These special children and his family are crying for him. We're all crying for him. Why is that? We ask the questions all the time in life, right? You see something happen, why? Now, of course we know that there's a creator dealing with everything, but you can still feel certain sadness. And I said, you know why? Because the Beis HaMikdash is still not here, that's why. The perfect world that we're looking for is not yet here. We pray for it every day. Cry no more Yerushalayim. And I came up with that on the keyboard. Just a high part, just a chorus. I actually called a guy named by the Ken Burgess. Very interesting story. He worked uh, with the... He worked with some of the Beatles back then. And he was, he moved. He did with Mordechai and David. He did That's a, right, it was close to Mordechai. He did a few songs with Mordechai. Because no, no, no. you got good taste, that's why. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, me and you are riding the same way. So, what happened? No, so what happened was, yeah. So I sat there and we did cry no more. Yeah, Shine once more, We need to see you proud again upon the mountain of Hashem. You were hitting the high notes before. Where are you? Cry. Yes, I love you too. Yeah, of course I do. Cry. You look at me like, what song you singing? Cry no more, So that was. That was the creation of that song. Guys, life is, is a journey. It's ups, it's downs, but the bottom line is... What? One more?
can be brave. I can be, I can be anything. Anything I want to be. Each one unique and unrelatable in their own ways. Beautiful, beautiful difficulties. I wouldn't be comfortable living without them. Looking back at each scenario, I'm blown away by my own awareness. Huge permanent steps that don't leave your side. The growth may not always be shown, but it will always bite my lows in the back. It's time to give myself full credit for what I've achieved. No more downplaying my successions. I'll take every compliment you give me. Naturally, I've been turning them down, not because I'm codependent, but because I'm almost at the point where I feel like I don't want your praise to validate me, I've started to validate myself every day because I see how far I've come. Who would have thought life would empower you to this extent? But I stand by this and I'll fall and I'll rise higher. As long as I stay close to you, I hope to keep you strong and I hope that occasionally you let me fall. Thank you, Duran, for building my foundation for my eternal skyscraper. person who wrote a partner has a letter. Somebody wrote him, he was a student of a very big rabbi. He wrote him, it's a famous letter that he wrote it back. He wrote him sort of that sentiment. I'll never forget reading this letter. I keep reading it all the time to also give me strength. He writes to him and he says, I have too many struggles. Every single day I have too many struggles. The Yitzhahara and whatever, it just pulls me down every day. I can't, how do I... I don't know if I could ever come back. And he writes him this depressing type of... He's writing his true feelings. This is what I feel. And the rabbi writes him back. He says exactly what you just said. He said, without the struggles, it's the struggle that makes the tzaddik. He writes to him. It says, Sheva yipol tzaddik become. The tzaddik falls seven times, but he rises. He said, you know what makes him a tzaddik? The actual fallings. That's what makes him a tzaddik. Without the struggle, he said, you wouldn't be who you are. Don't get so down. The struggle had passed. Try to just rise from it and use the struggle and say, everybody struggles. You wrote unbelievable. Guys, before we, uh, before we take a, whoever wants, we're going to take a group photo over here with Yaakov if you want. Uh, two things I want to tell Yaakov. All right, group photo with Yaakov before he leaves. Two things, two things to share with Yaakov. Some bad news, some good news and some bad news. I'm going to share with him the bad news first. Someone very nicely brought me and Yaakov two bottles of water. While he was speaking, I wasn't sure which one was mine, so I drank both. <laughs> well, I got a virus going on. Oh, really? <laughs> the second thing is, our Rabbi Kalish has agreed to take Yaakov up on a one-on-one -on, -one on the basketball court. Yeah. 
anyways, our time is up. So everyone come here for the group photo. Thank you. Guys. Uh, uh, one last song for today. Rabbi Rabbi Shahar.